Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Let's stand and take our Bibles, please. John chapter 15. Thank you, orchestra. They are just a couple more weeks away from um, doing their recording, their portion for our, our CD, our choir CD and orchestra CD. So you'd be in prayer for that. John chapter 15. If you'll have uh, turn there and look around, if your neighbor doesn't have a Bible or not doesn't have a King James Version Bible, if you'd share your Bible with them, they'll help them find their place. That'd be a blessing. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Why don't you start with verse 11. We'll read down to verse 16 tonight. John chapter 15, verses 11 to 16. I hope you take some good notes tonight. We're going on a a short mini-series for the summer. Uh, We're taking a break out of 2 Samuel to get into a series I think is very needful for us as we get ready to go into the new building and a number of programs associated with that. We want you just to be all up to speed with that and give you some tools and things that will help you tonight. So some of of what what we're going through these next few Sundays has to be kind of a teaching uh, process. There's some preaching in it there, but you just hang with us, and I hope it will be very instructional, helpful, uh, helping you in this matter. John 15, verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. By the way, how many are thankful tonight that Jesus is concerned about your joy? Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Verse 12. Uh, this is my commandment, that ye love one another, and as, I've, as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I've called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Notice verse 16. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Would you read verse 16 out loud together with me, please? You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This evening we're starting a series that I'm praying we'll be able to put in booklet form to help instruct our church to help grow our church, to help get everybody in the church on the right page and on the same page for fruit that remains. And I don't know about you tonight, but you ought to have a hunger and a thirst when I'm done tonight, a hunger and a thirst and desire to see people saved and in the church and growing in the Lord. And tonight we're going to see some things as we use this message as a kind of as a precursor to a number of messages and lessons that we're going to take you through that will help you with this. And I pray it will help me as well in helping us to be a blessing and encouragement to our areas we try to reach this area for the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for these blessed words that we've read. Thank you that Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be full. And God, we know one of those great joys is that that every Christian, every believer, every child of God would have the joy and the blessing of seeing people saved and staying in the church, walking with God, living for the Lord. So look across the room, Lord, I'm very thankful for the many, many people in this room who've been saved through the ministry of this church and our fruit that remains, as John talks about, as Jesus talks about here in John 15, 16. And I know, Lord, tonight the devil would fight these principles. And the devil would send resistance and pushback in hearts. And give us all these reasons to make excuses. Or to put off what is a great responsibility here. 
Yet, Father, I pray tonight that you'd love your people through this study. I pray that, God, you would stir our hearts. I pray even tonight that because of some things we hear, that we'd have a restless evening tonight, and maybe for the next few nights, the Lord would be stirred in our heart about the great matter of winning souls to Christ. Help us to see the pattern that the Scriptures give us for winning souls and bringing them to a saving knowledge of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, tonight. Father, this evening there's so much to be said, but yet we don't have a lot of time for this. And at the same time, we want to get our folks home on time. I pray this evening that you'll be glorified, you'll be magnified. But Lord, we pray in our hearts that, that Lord, our, our hearts will be overflowing with joy because of what we've learned tonight and what you speak to us about. And then we pray tonight, if someone here doesn't know Christ as their Savior, the greatest joy they can have is by putting their faith and trust in Christ tonight, that they might be saved from their sins. Father, thank you for what you'll do tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. How many of you desire to see your unsaved family members come to Christ? How many have a mother or father, grandfather, grandmother, uncle, aunt, a co-worker, or friend that you're praying for that will get saved? Amen? Don't you desire to see people saved? And how many of you like to be more bold and proficient in explaining the gospel and seeing people trust Jesus Christ as Savior? I, mean, I don't know about you, but I think it's all the things we want to do. Of course, our greatest need is to know God and to go closer to Him. Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3.10 that I may know Him. And the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings be made conformable unto His death. And that ought to be our great goal is that we know the Lord and go closer to Him. But next to that, I believe that the Lord wants us to be used of Him in influencing our world and touching our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you tonight, but I, I believe there are many people in this church that long and desire to have fruit that remains, just like John speaks about here. And I kind of feel like as we, for all these years in our church, we've had our organized soul winning on Saturday mornings as an encouragement for our people to come. And, and I realize for many of you, perhaps the only day off you have during the week really is probably Saturday. And the only day you have for getting your chores done and doing work around the house. And you're trying to be good moms and dads. And you ought to be good moms and dads. And trying to spend time with your kids. And you're trying to keep your marriage together. And maybe that's the only time during the week you really can just spend time with your husband or wife. And we understand there's so many things to juggle and to do. And then Saturday happens to be the time with, especially right now in our church, we have a lot of young married couples getting married and they have a lot of things going on. Just so many things happening. And, you know, we feel like many times there are things competing for our time and, and we feel like we're dragged in this direction, dragged in this direction. And, and we, want to, we want to get involved with so many things like that. We just feel like there's not enough time to do that. And I believe tonight what I want to do is, is, is start this just for this summer that God would ingrain in our hearts that everyone in this church can be a proficient soul winner that Jesus Christ can use. My prayer for you this, this, this summer is that God would work in your heart and put a desire in your heart realizing is you're not a soul winner only when you come to an organized soul winning opportunity, but you're a soul winner all the time. That God puts opportunities in front of us all the time. We want to make the most of those opportunities and getting the gospel out. Now some of you have been in the church for many years. Some of you have just kind of, have just gotten kind of used to the program and you're probably fixed in your ways and you just kind of have your own mindset and things. And I just want to ask all of us tonight that let, let's ask the Lord to help us unclutter our minds, unclutter our hearts, and just say, Lord, just help me to see from your word. What is the biblical way that you want me to do this, this business of winning souls for Jesus Christ? We have a church planner here tonight, Brother Donnie Johnson. Brother Johnson, you know this. You're, in fact, you're coming from a church where you have a great soul winning pastor. You know this, that to grow a church, there's more to it than just being there on Sunday. You know that from Monday through Saturday, that's when the real work is done. You're going to be knocking doors, and you're going to be making contact. You're going to be building relationships. You're going to have to win souls to Jesus Christ. When Brother Ted Mung was here uh, for just 10 days, I spent 
very, a, a very intensive time. In fact, I probably spent more time with him than I've done with any staff member on just the whole matter of just how to win souls to Christ and what he needs to do. And Brother Ted, I had a, I had a menu list about this long of things to cover, and we only got to maybe 20% of it. And he's a pastor. I, he said, really, I'm at my capacity. I really just can't. I just really, i got to absorb what you've given me. He said, there's so much here to do. And I understand that because everything I'm going to give you tonight is, is many, many years of cumulative experiences that, 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 are, that are grounded in God's Word. And I, I just want you to catch tonight the heart of our Lord and winning souls to Christ. And we're going to see some examples of how Jesus won souls to Christ. And, and I'll, I'll tell you tonight, the master soul winner is Jesus himself. Amen? And we've got to go back to the Gospels and learn from the Master how to win souls to Christ. And I, I believe teenagers can win souls to Christ. And I believe college students can win souls to Christ. I believe you can win souls to Christ in the Spanish-speaking language, the Chinese-speaking language, the Romanian language, Tagalog. It doesn't matter what language. You can win souls to Christ in any language. I'm convinced it doesn't matter where in the world you're at, souls can be won. I've traveled a little bit. I've been in New Zealand. I've been in the Philippines. I've been in South Korea. I've been in China. Every single country. I've been in Costa Rica. Every single country I've been in with translators transfer. I have seen souls come to Christ by the droves. I've seen people get saved by the droves. And it's not me. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. God working through His Word, saving souls. And I want to tell you tonight, with our world going to hell in a handbasket, with things going crazy in different directions, with the hatefulness that's going on in the media towards things that are right, I want to tell you today, there, there, there's never been a more important time for us to get, get our, our, our things together and realize we've got to win souls for Jesus Christ today. Now you say, Pastor, is winning souls the, the only thing? No, it's not the only thing, but it's the main thing. It's the main thing. And, uh, you know, sometimes we get, we think, you know, a Baptist church, we get a little bit too top-heavy about winning souls. I'm going to tell you something. You go outside of a Baptist church, and you're going to find that most non-Baptist churches do not emphasize winning souls. In fact, the average person in a, in a non-Baptist church, less than 1% of the congregation can effectively tell somebody how to get saved. In fact, in most of those churches, the way they try to introduce somebody to Christ is a very weird and aberrant way that doesn't even fit with the Scriptures. And I'm just saying tonight, we've got to just give our attention, we've got to fill up the church on Sunday nights and to receive this instruction so that all of us can catch the heart of God for winning people to Jesus Christ. Please let go of whatever preconceived ideas, notions that you have, whatever things that you think work in this scenario. It may work, but I want to tell you tonight, the Bible works. What the Bible says works, and we need to follow the Scriptures to know what's going on there. Now, for all these years, we, we have used Saturday as an opportunity to do a combination of things. We try to squeeze in for 20 to 30 minutes training and instruction. I'll be honest with you. 20 to 30 minutes doesn't cut it. In fact, I'll be honest with you, a 12-week training session doesn't make you proficient soul winner. I believe soul winning is caught more than it's taught. I believe if you're going to learn it, you've got to learn it with some with some shoe leather. You've got to get the, you have to hit the pavement, and you've got to hit the doors. I believe it's more than just knocking on 50 doors a week, 100 doors a week, or whatever it may be. I believe you've got to go beyond knocking on doors. You've got to have some face-to-face contact with people, and you've got you're not going to be proficient unless you're witnessing and explaining the gospel to people. It's more than giving out tracts. It's more than inviting people to church. It is an actual sitting down with people, nose to nose, ear to ear, eyeball to eyeball, mouth to mouth, and explaining the gospel of Jesus Christ to these people. And so we've tried to use Saturdays for this, but because of scheduling and, and uh, all these other things competing for time, most of the church is not there. Now, a good number of the church is there, but most of the church is not there. And the Lord's laid on my heart since January that, you know, use Sunday nights, Alan, just use Sunday nights to help train the church and teach the church about this. And, and I just feel like right now for the next, this summer, that Sunday nights needs to be an opportunity to just, we're going to get back to down to the bare basic of things so we can learn the practical nuts and bolts and tools that will help you be effective. Wherever you are working at, wherever you're at school, where you can be involved, to get involved and see what the Lord is able to do. And maybe in the midst of this, I'm going to 
Some of our, 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 our soul winners in training, just to share with you, some that are just excited, they got the soul winning fervor by coming to Heritage Baptist Church. I'm going to have some of them just share a testimony along the way or that you can learn and be encouraged by some of these, these believers who are on board with us and seeing what God is able to do here. And so tonight, with this grand opening of the, the, new, the new educational building and, uh, and just the, the opportunity of filling up all those classrooms with people, and, and some of you, many of you have not seen those rooms, but many of those rooms that we have there, they have a capacity of holding 60 to 70, maybe even 80 to 90 people inside those rooms, depending how we configure them and how tightly we get everybody in. There's an opportunity of filling these, these rooms up. In fact, I just told somebody the other day, I believe this building probably gives us a minimum capacity of adding 600 additional people to the church on one service. A minimum of 600 additional people in one service. And I'm driven and I'm determined we're going to fill that building up with God's help and God's power. But we're not going to do it by trying to be like the new evangelicals and things like that. We've got to do it the Bible way. And we've got to realize what we do, what we do and the Bible teaches still works. It still works today. Listen, I'm watching what's going on as, as their, people are cutting out their services and they're not giving invitations and they're not involved. I'll tell you what it's all driven by. I believe it's driven by leadership that doesn't believe that God is still in the soul saving business. And I'm going to show you tonight, Jesus Christ is in the soul-saving business. And we need to get on board with Jesus and same people brought to Christ. So tonight, let's look at our passage of Scripture. We're going to have a fun Bible study tonight. I hope you've got your pen out, your pencil out. If you don't have one, just ask your neighbor if you can borrow a pen or pencil. If they got an extra one, make sure you return it. Amen? And, uh, and give it back and get a piece of paper and take some notes tonight as we look at the subject matter, part number one of fruit that remains. Number one, as we look at verse 16, would you notice the Lord's priority? And verse 16 is one of many verses that emphasizes that fruit-bearing and the winning of souls is the Lord's priority. When you study the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, He went somewhere always with a purpose. And where He went, the supreme desire, the heavenly desire, is that people would believe on Him as their Savior. That's what Jesus did. And we have to realize as we plan our lives and plan our days and plan our travels, we must plan these things with purpose to see what can God do through me. John 15, if you haven't read in a while, is a powerful chapter and a very important chapter that teaches us principles about being a fruit-bearing Christian. And I want to start off by telling you about a key word in this chapter that you want to take note of, especially for many of you who are new believers that you're just kind of trying to get your arms around all this. And that key word I want you to notice that in verse chapter 15, there are three words that are used, but all have the same, uh, have the same original Greek word. The word abide, the word continue, the word remain. Abide, continue, and remain. All three of those words are one Greek word. It's the word meno. It has the same idea of abiding, continuing, and remaining. And the Lord is concerned that as as we are branches that are extensions of Him, the vine. He is concerned that every branch should bear fruit. And He's concerned not that we just bear fruit, but as we'll see tonight, He's concerned that we bear much fruit for the glory of God. God is concerned that we are productive and that we're fruitful. And God is concerned that as a branch, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except by the vine, no more can you and me except we abide in the Lord. Notice in verse 16, the Lord's priority is nestled in a passionate commitment. He says, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring 
bring forth fruit. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 15, in fact, chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16, I call this Jesus' fireside chat with his disciples. This is in the upper room. John gives us a detailed insight of what happened there. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, Luke kind of tell us a little bit about the, about the Lord's table there. They have some things they tell us over there. But John goes into great detail of explaining to us what Jesus did in that, those moments of instruction. I mean, if you study those chapters, that was a pretty heavy night that Jesus had with them. I mean, he's pouring his heart to them, and he's instructive. If you think Sunday nights are intense when I preach, you needed to be there in the upper room, amen? I mean, he was pouring his heart out. There was nobody falling asleep. And by the way, he's talking to disciples and believers. Interesting, as we get to John chapter 15, Judas Iscariot is not in there. Judas has already left the room. Judas has already gone out to get his 30 pieces of silver to sell out the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is here talking to disciples, disciples that he believes are committed to him. And Jesus, as he's talking to them here, you cannot read these chapters without realizing there is a heartbeat, there is a pulse beat, there is passion coming out the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, just look at it as he's talking to them about, in verse 12, 13, greater love is no man than this than that a man laid down his life for his friend. He's talking about love. He's talking about sacrifice. He's talking about commitment. And so Jesus speaks to them in verse 16. He pulls them back where he starts off in the beginning of the chapter about the matter of fruit bearing. He's being very specific. And notice what he says here. You've not chosen me, but I've chosen you. He, now notice here. He's saying, it's not that you have a choice in the matter. I've chosen you. He's saying, I've ordained you. I've set you apart. Now listen, he's talking to believers. When he uses the word chosen, don't, 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 don't get off on, the, on some tangent and say, well, there, that's a, that shows that, the, that there's some Calvinism. There's no Calvinism in that, okay? That is, he's talking to believers, okay? And if you study your Bible, everybody gets off, goes sideways in this Calvinistic stuff. They're confusing salvation with sanctification. Election deals with those who are already saved. Choosing deals with those who are already saved. He's talking about purpose here. Listen, you didn't get saved to wander around aimlessly not knowing what to do. God has a purpose for your life. God has a will for your life. In fact, it's a perfect will for your life. And God's will for your life is God's best for your life. Amen? And so we look here in chapter 15, verse 16. He says, you've not chosen me. but I've cho- By the way, I just want to say this tonight. Aren't you glad Jesus chose you? Don't, aren't you glad He's chosen you to have a purpose? Aren't you glad He's chosen you to do something significant with your life? Listen, the most significant thing you'll do is winning people to Jesus Christ and bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. He's saying here, I've, you've not chosen me, but I've chosen you. He says, I've got priority in this matter. i put my finger on you. i put my hand on you. And I've set you apart that you should go and bring forth fruit. Now notice something very interesting in verse 16 there. As the Lord gives this to us, we're reminded that it's a passionate commitment. It's a passionate commission, commission, excuse me. You see, God's wills that everyone gets saved. First Timothy 2, 4 says, Who will have all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. I mean, that's very explicitly clear to me. He wants all men to be saved. When you read John three sixteen, For God so loved the world. It's not a part of the world. It's not a piece of the world. It's not a fraction of the world. It's all the world. I mean, the word all is the word all. I mean, God so loved the world, okay? He loves all the world. He wants everyone to get saved. Second, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men are, count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, and that all should come to repentance. Notice in verse 16, one of the many key words in this verse is the word go. Witnessing is going. Witnessing is action. So winning is action. And I'm gonna, if you'll, you'll, you'll bear with me tonight, I'm gonna be laying more emphasis on the word so winning than I do witnessing because God wants results. I said God wants results. 
That's why he gave us this verse here, okay? You said, well, you don't understand my personality. I do understand your personality. So does the Lord. That's why he chose us. That's why he chose us. He wants to work through weakened vessels. He wants to work through people who have no ability, who, who feel shy and inarticulate and unable to speak. God wants to work through all of us because God want, so that God would get the glory, not you and me. Amen? The word go. Listen to this. Go ye and teach all nations. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Jesus said, I must needs go to Samaria. Uh, Paul wrote this in Romans 10. Whom shall I send and who will go? And how shall they go except they be sent? The first two letters in the gospel are, and the word gospel are the words, are the two letters go. I mean, we've got to go. Listen, so many doesn't happen if you don't go. Missions doesn't happen if you don't go. Witnessing doesn't happen if you don't go. People don't get saved if you don't go. You've got to go, amen? You've got to go. You just you got to decide, you know, I'm going to go. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to go. He said, you should go and bring forth fruit. The fruit's not going to come to you. You've got to go and produce the fruit. You've got to go out there. So we see that the, there's a passionate commission. But notice something else here. He also used the term your fruit. Look at verse 16 again. You've not chosen me. But I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. And notice this phrase that ought to catch your attention. And that your fruit. The Lord's concerned about your fruit. Well, praise God, preacher's out so winning. Praise God, staff's out so winning. Praise God, deacon's out so winning. But he's concerned about your fruit. He's concerned about your fruit. Do you see what I'm saying tonight? That your fruit. He's looking at these disciples because if you look at, if you, if you, and we'll see this in a minute, if you look at the disciples up to this point in time, you know the greatest soul winner among all, the, all, all of the disciples, among the apostles, was Andrew? Andrew. Andrew was the first soul winner among all of them. He brought his brother Peter, and we'll see later on, he brought some Greeks over to Jesus. I mean, Andrew was just, and he, by the way, he's the one that brought the little lad with the five loaves and two fishes to Jesus. I mean, I believe as you study scriptures, at that point in time, Andrew was the, was the great example of a soul winner. He wasn't much of a preacher. We have no record of his sermons. We know that he went out and, and he started churches and evangelized later on after the Lord ascended to heaven, but we really don't have any record in the scriptures of that. Listen, you don't have to be a great preacher, and you don't have to have a great personality and a winsome personality, and all that stuff but you have to be obedient you've got to go and so he says i've chosen you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit he's talking about your fruit and my fruit he's coming he's drilling down to you and me individually that every christian every believer can have fruit that can remain and tonight one of the first things we ought to decide tonight lord help me that i will have fruit and lord help me tonight that as you speak about your fruit would you give me that which you gave to the disciples would you enable me as you enable peter and nathaniel and men like that and even old doubting thomas which would you enable me to have what they had so I can bring forth fruit there? And so we see this, our, our Lord tonight, if stressing upon us in verse 16, individual accountability and individual responsibility. He's stressing upon us into urgency, being compelled in our heart that winning souls is a great priority of the Lord Jesus Christ here. But notice the second thing in the Lord's priority. We only see this passionate commission. But notice verse 11. We've got to pull this all together. Verse 11 he tells us that because the Lord's concerned that we have a pleasing contentment. These things have I written unto you. These things have I spoken unto you. We have to ask ourselves, what was the Lord saying? He says that my joy might be in you. Listen, nobody cares about your happiness more than Jesus Christ. Nobody cares about your contentment more than the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when nobody cares about, oh yes, Jesus does. Oh yes, he does. He cares about your peace. He cares about your joy. And let me say this tonight. Joy is better than happiness. 
Happiness is fleeting. Happiness will go away. But when you got true joy, joy is abiding even through the darkest of storms. Why? Because the joy of the Lord cometh in the morning. Amen? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy is better than happiness. And we see here that the Lord says this, These things have I spoken to you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Now, isn't that kind of interesting? In verse 11, verse 16, we have the words remain in both those verses. Isn't it kind of interesting? He uses the word remain. And ties it in with abide and continue to help us understand 12 different times the importance of having this fellowship with the Lord and staying close to God. And by the way, if we're close to God, we cast a heartbeat of God, we're going to want to win souls to Christ. We want to get the gospel to people and reach people for the glory of God. Listen, when I'm dead and gone, if I, if I go before the rapture, before the rapture, the one thing I want said more than anything else, he loved getting the gospel out. He had a passion for the gospel. He had a passion for winning souls. There's a lot of things pastors are good for. There's a lot of things preachers are good for. But I'm going to tell you, most preachers are good for nothing if they're not preaching the gospel. If you're not preaching the gospel, what are you preaching? The gospel is a timeless message. The gospel is a transforming message. I'm saying tonight, if guys want to get up on these tangents about this and write their blogs and that, how could you have time to write your blogs and all this stuff when we need to win souls to Jesus Christ? Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is fulfilling when we're abiding in Him. Listen to the Scriptures. Psalms 126, 5 and 6. They that sow in tears shall reap in. He that goeth forth and weaveth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with. Bringing back his sheaves with him. There's joy in sowing. There's joy in seeing people saved. Listen to this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 19 20. For what is our hope or joy? Or crown of rejoicing. Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? Hey, he's saying this. Paul, Percy, this group he's writing to at Thessalonica. You go back to Acts 17. He under under stress and turmoil and, uh, and antagonism. And yet, in spite of that short period of time he was there, God blessed under that pressure. And souls got saved. He's writing to people he loved. He said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And he talked about the work of faith and labor of love and, and so forth there. And then he writes to them. And he says here in 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 19, 20. For what is our hope or joy, crown of joy? So he says, you know what I look forward to? He says, I look forward to to seeing you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. I look forward to seeing you stand before the Lord, that you're saved. He said, for you are our glory and our joy. I'm just saying tonight, the Lord is concerned that we have a pleasing contentment. You're not going to find your joy in buying the next iPhone. You're not going to find your joy in buying the next car or accumulating more money. The greatest joy you're going to have at the beginning of a day and end of the day and when you come to the end of life's journey is knowing there are souls that you've led to Jesus Christ today. That's what it's all about. Notice the second thing tonight. We see the Lord's priority, but I want you to notice, secondly, the loving process. Now, I'm going to walk you through tonight that you might understand, just as a precursor tonight, the process we must undertake in reaching people for Christ. Now, I call so many a loving process because we need to ask God to help us to love people. Amen? You say, well, I don't love people. Well, God will give you that love. The love of Christ constraineth me, Paul said. God will give you that love. Say, I'm shy. Hey, would you believe there was a time when I was shy? You probably don't believe there was a time I was shy. There was a time I... I didn't think much of it. 
I remember when I first got saved, I had been saved for three months, and the, the youth group, they, they invited me to youth group, and they had a, a barbecue at somebody's house, so you can play ping pong. You know, a teenager, you're 13, 14 years, 14 years old, you think, that's pretty great, we're going to go to somebody's house and have a barbecue, and I'm thinking ribs and burgers, they didn't have anything, we just had hot dogs, man, okay, that, that's not barbecue, man, if you say that's not barbecue, but not, at least not in my book, okay, and it's, but it was fine, it was great, and they said, bring your friends and so forth, and I had this guy that, I, I, uh, that uh, was a good friend of mine that I had in about four of my classes, and his name was Tommy, and, I, and, I, and, and Tommy needs to play, shoot hoop a lot back, back in the day, and so I went to Tommy and said, hey, Tommy, you know, we're going to have this, this, uh, this youth group I belong to, I don't know a whole lot what's going on, but they're having this thing in somebody's house and in another city there, and they have a barbecue, and we're going to have some ping pong stuff, and he said, oh man, he said, Alan, I love ping pong, he says, can I go with you to that, I said, yeah, I said, I said uh, they need you to fill out some kind of a permission slip, and, and I've got to fill one out too, so they could pick us up and drive us there, and so we filled it out, and we showed up there, and uh, we had a great time, we ate a lot of food, we played some ping pong, did some other things, and stuff like that, and then they had the meeting portion, and the youth director got up, and he preached a simple salvation message, it was a great message, very clear message and at the end of the message i kind of peeked you know i, I just and i know i wasn't supposed to but i, I kind of peeked and looked to my right to see how god was working in tommy's heart i was looking up like that at time tommy raised his hand he wanted to get saved and man i got so excited about that and, and i wanted to tell him what to do but i didn't know what to tell him i'm not sure what to do so i went to the youth director and said hey man i said uh, uh, i need your help here my friend tommy raised his hand he said yeah i know i said can i sit with you and could you mind telling him how to get saved and show him the gospel and we sat there let me tell you what that moment transformed my life I watched this, this young man that was my friend hear the gospel. I watched as this, this youth director went through the Romans road, showed him how to get saved. And Tommy was a pretty smart kid and asked some pretty good questions. He was kind of one of those intellectual type of kids, but very athletic. And uh, when the youth director asked him, Tommy, would you like to get saved? I thought Tommy was going to give him some pushback. He said, and he called him by his name and he said, yes, sir, I'd sure like to get saved right now. And as, as he prayed the sinner's prayer and asked Jesus to save him, I'm going to tell you what, I got all fired up and excited about what God was doing there. And I'm just telling you today, it's a wonderful thing when you see when God does things like that. But sowing is a loving process. It just where, where you, you, you have to ask God, please, Lord, give me a desire, a longing in my heart to see people come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now, I wrote this down in my notes. You might want to put this down there too. Sowing is a loving process because we are endeavoring with a plan to get the gospel to people we love. It is our endeavor to get the gospel to people we love. Now, I'm going to give you four things on this loving process real quickly, and I want you to jot down. First of all, there must be the prospect identifier. Now, I'm talking, what I'm going to give you today is long-term in nature. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you have a prospect list that you have developed? Of more than one name. And everybody should on that list, your family should be, your unsafe family members should be on there. I was telling somebody the other day that as I'm praying through the church and we've got so many people come to church, I'm finding that I've got to, I've got, there's so many people to pray for and so many things to pray about with so many needs. And foremost with that, there's probably right now, I, I would dare to say there's, there's probably 30 to 40, maybe 50 people on there that I'm personally praying for that'll get saved. That are, that are on my target list right now that I'm praying they'll get saved. And, uh, you know, I find as we pray for them, it's more, well, Lord, save these people. Lord, and I'm praying, God, please open their eyes. I'm praying, Lord, when they get to hear the gospel, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will touch hearts. But it starts with a prospect identifier. You've got to identify who the people are you're going to go after. And listen, the, the, the initial people that should be on everybody's list by tonight, you should have your family on there. You should have people you have long-term relationships on there. There should be people that live in your community. I mean, there's all these different groups of people that we can get. The prospect identifiers, identifying the names of people you place a high priority in getting the gospel to. Their family, their friends, 
Then I call a third section, the fraternities. Now, the fraternities are associates, neighbors, memberships, groups of people. Uh, a prospect list must be updated constantly. i tell you what I do. I, I was with, I, well, after my, my father passed away last July, when I would be the Lord, my, had a, my mom had a lot of errands, and I, and I told my brother he had to go back to Utah, and my sister who works on the other side of the bed, I said, listen, just tell mom she needs something, I'll take care of stuff. And so the first two, three weeks there, just, you know, she's just going through the grieving process, stuff like that, and uh, I had to help her with a number of things. And, and so one of those days, I, I said, mom, well, what else do you need? She said, well, you know, tomorrow I'm going to go to Costco and get my prescription. I said, mom, we're in San Leandro right now, I'll take you right now. And I said, then I could drop you back home, get back to church and get some things done. She said, no, I could do it. I said, no, mom, I'll take you there. And so mom took, I took her to Costco to the pharmacy here in San Leandro and we're and this is the first time I've ever been with my mom down, down in Costco in, in, in San Leandro and we barely got the door she knows everybody works at Costco here in San Leandro I mean she'd say hi here and hi there and hi these people and they're stopping talking to her you know what I started doing I said man mom knows people I started jotting these people's names down because I'm, I'm thinking man if mom knows them I got to get to know them amen I'm going to borrow her procedure and get to know these people why I'm telling you every opportunity you get to meet people that's a prospecting opportunity the other day, yesterday, in fact, let me tell you about the story. Uh, this past week, we started, we, we started off on Wednesday, organized soul winning at 1030. By the way, it's going to be this Wednesday, too. Every Wednesday, 1030. And I want to just have an opportunity for our, 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 our folks who are at home uh, during the weekdays and not working, or maybe they're on a night shift and they can be available today. I just want to make it available to help train people and teach people. And one of our men who's here tonight, second time he went, so I called him. I sent him a message last week. In fact, two of our men, I sent the message. I said, I want you to come next week, and I and I want you, I want you to come Wednesday and mark it down. First thing that morning, I messaged him. I said, Are you going to join me? They said, We're going to be there. And I got them all paired up, and Brother Brinkman was here, and I paired him with one of the men. But the one that, that, that wanted me for the second time, I said, Now you're going to go with me, and we're just going to go. We're, what I want to do is train you just on how we do door to door. We're so winning and we'll kind of work from there. And uh, I pray over the streets. I pray about our areas. I pray over these areas. I pray for streets by name and people I remember. And I, and I can visualize in my mind, in my mind, sometimes when I pray about a certain street, I can visualize all the homes and people. And then people that come to church that I've got on my target list of, of, of prospects that I, I want to go after. And I'm trying to multitask all these different groups of people. And so I was, the Lord laid on my heart as we got in the car. I said, the Lord, where do you want us to go? And I wasn't very clear until, until we got in the car where God wanted us to go. And God said, God impressed my heart, go to San Lorenzo. And I said, well, God, I'll go to San Lorenzo. So then we'll just do that. And I was planning to go on the other side of Hesperian there, uh, closer to the Hayward side. And as we were driving down Washington, the Holy Spirit said, no, I want you to turn right down by Royal High School. And I said, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm going to turn right. You said, how come the Holy Spirit spoke too? Because I prayed that morning. Amen. So I turned right at Royal, and then I saw this development I hadn't been to, and I thought about it. I said, you know what? I've passed this development, and I've talked to people on the side here. In fact, a, a family that came to our church a few months ago hasn't been here for a while, and I meant to go there. The Holy Spirit said, I want you to go down this subdivision. I said, yes, sir, I'll do that. And I pulled to the side there. It said, had a sign up there that says, you can't park there unless you have a permit and tag. And I said, okay, we'll park on the outside. And that brother and I got outside, and, and, and we're knocking doors, and we're visiting. And, you know, daytime just kind of hit and miss. Sometimes people are home, sometimes they're not. But I'll tell you this, when you, when you make a determination to just reach people, you're eventually going to reach people on a certain day that you wouldn't reach them on other days. Okay? And so we got to, we're going to, we turned to the street there. And we got to home. I think I told the story Wednesday night. And we had the story, and I, and I can't, you know how you can just kind of identify certain homes, and 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 I and we had this home, very nice stonework, uh, 
very, very low maintenance, a beautiful yard, rose, roses in the front, beautiful array of orchids there. And I said to the brother, I said, see, now, brother, look at these beautiful orchids here. And I said, look at how the rose bushes here. And I said, I said, I'm almost certain that a Filipino family lives there because it's a beautiful landscape and so forth there. He says, it is. I said, well, how do you know? He says, my niece lives here. I said, your niece lives here. Did you know that we were coming? He didn't. But he said, he said, I didn't. But he said, pastor, he said, I got fired up. You turned that street. I said, my niece lives over there. He said, I'm thinking, I'm not going to interrupt you, but I'm kind of wondering if God wants you to, if we're going to wind up my niece home, we're here at my niece's home. He says, man, I'm excited right now. We're here to see my niece. And I said, well, let's go ring the doorbell, make sure she's home first. Amen. So we knock on the door and uh, we ring the doorbell we're waiting, and we hear this shuffling in the, on the side yard. It's one of those homes when you walk up to the front, the door is on the side here and the backyard is this way. And we heard this rustling and we saw somebody peeking through a little knot hole in the fence. Ever have that happen? They're peeking through a knot hole in the fence and they're trying to check out who's there. And we wanted to make sure they didn't think we were Jehovah Witnesses. Amen. You know, and so we just were there and she came out and she said, good morning. And he said, good morning. And I said, good morning. He said, I want you to meet my pastor and, and so forth like that. And, and she said, first thing she said, would you like to come in? Well, man, I wasn't born yesterday. Of course you'd like to come in. Amen. And I had another part of it. And of course, it was just two men by ourselves. Now, just caution. Now, two men by yourself. Lady invite you in. Men, you're not supposed to go. Did you understand what I said? Or ladies, you come to home and a man said, would you like to come in? That's a no-go. Okay. But because this was his niece and that was the uncle... I felt the liberty to say, let's go ahead and do that, okay? So we went in, we kept a distance from there, and the Lord opened up an opportunity for us to present the gospel. Listen, an hour later, his niece trusted Jesus Christ, her Savior. We came back, we got in the car, we came back, and man, this brother, now he's been in church many years, just came to our church recently. He came, listen, he was, he was, listen, if, if, if his face could get bigger to go ear to ear, he'd go ear to ear farther, okay? Just excited. And I said, Brother Lewis, I said, we got back to church, put up where I normally park. I said, Brother Lewis, why don't you take a moment, let's just thank the Lord for what he did. Why don't you lead us in prayer? And he goes, Lord, man, thank you, my niece got saved today, in Jesus' name, man. Woo! I'm excited about that. That's what he said. That's the joy of the Lord. Yesterday we followed up and he said, I want you to meet some more of my family. Let's have a prospect list. By the way, if you're working, it should be a growing prospect list. It needs to be updated constantly. You know, one of the problems, you talk to people in sales. Their sales managers are always checking their prospect lists. And sales managers that have any sense of discernment and wisdom know that you've got to discern, is this just a bunch of names or are these real prospects that are working? And I'm going to tell you something. If you start praying for those people, God's going to put urgency in your heart to go visit them and tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ, sir. And so you must have a prospect list, this prospect identifier. It must be updated constantly. Uh, you must, this prospect list, as we'll see later, must be prayed over. It is to be worked. And by the way, many of those prospects, you're, they're not going to get to save the first time. They're not going to get saved the second time. In fact, some of those prospects I've got, my wife will tell you this, some of we go to, we've been there for several years and they're still not saved. Do you give up on them? No, you don't give up on them. They're your process. You put them on your list. You identify the, the ones who are the more long-term in nature, that you, you're going to have to spend some time, and then you're going to have to ask wisdom. How do you go back to them? And then those who are new, you realize that when they're new, they've never, you've never presented the gospel to them, that you've got a window of opportunity, and you've got to go in strong and yet lovingly to them to help them understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of us as soul winners, as we start off, we feel like it's, our, it's, our, it's, it's inside of us. We've got to pour everything out of them. Don't pour everything out of them. Love them, but be careful that if they're not ready, give them some rope, give them some room so you can go back favorably to get the gospel to them again. So number one, there's a prospect identifier. Number two, there's a purpose introduction. 
Now I want you to go with me to John chapter 1 and let's see how Andrew did this. And I'm going to give you some application to this. I want you to see the introduction tonight. John chapter 1, are you there? John chapter 1, verses 40, 42. I want you to turn to your Bibles, don't read the notes. Get in your Bible tonight, amen? And by the way, if you come to church because we give you the notes and you decide you're not going to bring a Bible, let me encourage you tonight, bring your Bible because God's Word needs to be preeminent in your life. Thy words were found and I did eat them and they were the joy and rejoicing in my heart. Now whether we put it on the screen, we put on notes, that's good, but you still ought to bring your Bible. There's nothing that's more of a blessing than a Bible-toting Christian, amen? Verse 40, John 1. And one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon's Peter brother. Now, as we see this passage, we're first told two disciples of John heard Jesus speak in a previous verse. Blesses my heart. It says they heard Jesus speak and immediately says they followed him. By the way, teachers, make sure the people that hear us teach, they're following Jesus and not you. And so now Andrew's been touched because he's heard the Lord Jesus. He was one of those two and he's heard the Lord Jesus Christ speak there. And, uh, he, he, and we're told it was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And the Bible tells verse 41 something that touches my heart every time I read it. He first, he first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah which is being interpreted to Christ. Listen, he heard enough of the words of Jesus Christ. His heart was burning. And the first thing he thought of, the first person came to his mind, I've got a brother that needs to get saved. And listen, before he did anything else, the Bible says in verse 41, he first findeth his own brother, brother Simon Peter. I'm saying tonight, do you have a brother? Do you have a sister? Do you have a mother? Do you have a father? Do you have a grandfather, grandmother, whoever it may be? Do you have somebody that you're going to first find and get the gospel to them tonight my grandmother after i got saved one of the first people I went to my grand love my grandmother i've told you stories about her. she was four feet ten inches tall but she was mean as the devil before she got saved man i watched her chase i watched her chase thieves out of her store with a butcher knife in her hand i mean she ran a 50, 50 that was back in her, when she was in her 50s and 60s and i was i guess a very young kid i watched her chase thieves out of, the, out of her store on on market street there in west oakland with a butcher knife in her hand and she'd recover the goods by the way that's something interesting there but anyway four foot ten inch woman and uh, she but do you know what for 40 something years 40 something years I would see grandma once a year. I would say, Grandma, God loves you. And Jesus wants to save you. She'd always say this with a cute... I mean, my wife could tell you this. My kids could... She'd have this cute smile, but it was a very deceiving smile. She'd go like this. Now, Alan, I'm a good person. I don't need that right now. And I would try again. And she'd give me that grandmother look. And I always remember that butcher knife. I knew I need to stop at that moment. Right, amen? <laughs> and so, um, she hit her 100th birthday. And my dad, my mom, our family, we called Baba up and he said, Baba, we want to take you to dinner for your 100th birthday. We took her out and she'd been living in one of those multifaceted homes, assisted living and all that kind of stuff there. They just wanted, you know, her children wanted to make sure that she was cared for if she had something. Two months after that, my dad called me. I think it was on a Sunday afternoon. And I remember it was right before Brother Scully was going to preach a Bible comp or a revival meetings for us in October. And I think this was probably 2012, something like that. And uh, my dad called. He says, hey, your, your grandmother, they found her on the floor at the, at, the, at the assisted living facility. They think she had a stroke. And uh, they said she's badly paralyzed. 
And there was no way that afternoon I could get to her. I had to get ready for church. I said, Dad, I said, okay, Dad, I said, number one, I'm going to pray over this. I'm asking God to preserve her so I can see her first thing Monday. And I'll be honest, I was just really just, you know, I need to see Grandma there, but just everything going on it was just too much that day. We're getting ready for Brother Skelly coming things. And I just said, God, now you know that Grandma needs to get saved. She's heard, she's heard me ask her for 40 plus years how to get saved. I came to the hospital room was Kaiser, Oakland. I still remember the room. I had an uncle and two aunts sitting in the corner. They're talking away. And I, I called them by their names. They said, oh, Alan, good seeing you. And I said, uh, tell me the status on Paul Paul. They said, she's not doing good. She's paralyzed on one side. She can't hear anything. And they just told me all these things. They said, and she's on comfort care and stuff like that. And, and I turned for a minute and I had tears coming to my eyes. I was just broken for her. And, and just, I said to my uncle, I said, now, I said, I said uncle, I'm going to tell you, you think she doesn't hear. She can hear. I said, the last thing that goes is the hearing. And at that moment of time, I didn't know what to expect. <clears throat> and I knew that everything I needed, I did not pray specifically for that that morning. And I felt so ashamed about that. I prayed for her, but I just didn't. I'll be honest with you, I didn't pray intelligently as I could have. And God brought in my mind, Ephesians 3.20, Now to him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. She's paralyzed one side. Then to get one word out of her for 48 hours. They withheld everything from her as far as food. Only thing they gave her was just ice to wet her tongue. And I went to my grandmother with a heart of prayer. I took her right hand in my hand. I said, Papa, this is Alan. I said, if you can hear me, please squeeze my hand. My uncle and two aunts were very skeptical. And be honest with you, most of my family on that side have been very scornful of us. They kind of were peeking over on the side there. That little frail, 80-pound, 4-foot, 9-inch tall woman, she shrank an inch after, after many years, amen? They watched her squeeze my hand right there. And for an hour and a half to two hours, I told Grandma once again about the love of Jesus Christ. And I was important to get saved. And I, said, and I was very stern with her. I came as a preacher that day. I didn't come as a, as a grand. I came as a preacher that day. I said, Grandma, I said, you're in bad shape right now. And I've asked you for 40-something years to get saved. Please don't tell me to go home. Please don't say I've got another opportunity. And the best way I could tell you this, Grandma, that, that morning, and went for, I got there about 10.45, and it was about 12.45, she accepted Jesus Christ, her Savior, by squeezing my hand. She knew exactly what I was doing. And let me tell you something what happened. I said, I asked her, I said, Grandma, did you get saved? And for the first time in 48 hours, a gurgling noise came out of her mouth. She wanted to talk to me. Like she was gurgling. And they were amazed. They said, what's going on? I said, Grandma, just got saved. Her name's written in heaven. And you know, so they had the service later that week. And, and, uh, and so they have a, one, of my, one of my cousins, he's got, a, he's got a, a son that was studying at a new evangelical seminary somewhere. And they said, well, we couldn't get a hold of you. So we want to ask this, this, this nephew to, to do the funeral and so forth there. And I said, oh, man. He said, so we kind of cut you out of the program. I said, well, I said, okay. 
And so I said, uh, can I talk? Can I talk to the nephew? And he said, yeah. So I called him up and, and I didn't, I really didn't know him since he, I mean, I haven't seen this kid for 18, 19 years there at that time. And so I called him up. He said, oh, how you doing? So forth, so forth there. And yeah, I'm going to do this. I said, well, what text are you preaching from? He said, from Ecclesiastes, there's a time to be born, time to die. I said, that's a typical new evangelical message. I said, what you got on the agenda? He said, I want to have an agenda. I said, let me help you with the agenda. I made the agenda. I set the agenda. I said, let's, let's do this, this, and this, and this. And I said, I tell you what, you, you go first. You say what you got to say, but would you, would you let me go last? Would you let me go last? And so he's a young novice. He didn't know better, and he didn't know me, amen? He said, sure, I'll let you go last. He tried to lead them to sing Amazing Grace. Brother Johnson, I think only Baptists can sing Amazing Grace right, man, Amen? He couldn't sing Amazing Grace. And I'm honest with you. If you got the preaching, you, you're about to explode. And this is my grandmother's funeral. I mean, I'm ready to explode. I mean, I felt like a keg of dynamite's been lit. And I'm about, the fuse is about this. He said, well, we'll now have Pastor Fong come up. And I said, okay. Oh, he called me Reverend Fong. Please do not call me Reverend. Amen. Good. Now, there's only one Reverend. That's Jesus. Amen. I got up and I told that crowd how my grandma got saved. I told him she's in heaven. I said, you leave your Catholic priest outside. He ain't, there ain't no Catholic priest here. She got saved. There, you don't need this business praying over the dead. She's saved. She's in heaven. I quoted John chapter 14. I, mean, I had no notes. I just quoted John 14. Went up there and told him how she got saved. And I gave an invitation. Listen, I had groves of people came up to me and says, we never knew grandma got saved. I had a cousin who lives in Arkansas somewhere. She's, she and her husband relocated there. And she said, I never knew that story before. And had other people tell me that. And then that same cousin who had his nephew do that, I, he came up to me and says, man, he said, I didn't know all that. And he said, let me tell you something. I said, Gordon, I said, I'm to tell you something. I led your daddy to Christ. Your daddy went home to be with the Lord one year, one year after that. Your daddy's up in heaven with Paul Paul right now let me tell you something tonight you've got to have you got to have a, you have to have a purpose introduction you need to go after your family and listen if nothing else tonight everyone in this room beginning with me everyone in this room should have a burning desire for unsaved family members to get saved and so we see andrew here he goes he first finds his own brother simon and says we found the messiah notice verse 42 he didn't he didn't do the stair-stepping stuff and this joe aldrich uh what they call this the friendship nonsense and gospel coalition stuff the bible says verse 42 he brought him to jesus Listen, get the prospect to Jesus. Andrew heard Jesus himself and followed him. He wanted Peter to get saved. Now, go down to chapter 12. We find Andrew in motion again. He's making these introductions. There, the Bible says in verse 20, John chapter 12, verse 20, And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. And the same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee. And he desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Listen, it doesn't get any better than that. Somebody says, I want to see Jesus. What are you doing with that opportunity? They said, want to see Jesus. They went to Philip. And Philip is stumbling around. So Philip says, well, I'm not sure what I should do, but I'm going to go bring him to soul winner. Amen. And Philip cometh and telleth Andrew. And again, Andrew takes Philip and they tell Jesus. They said, hey, there's some men that want to meet you there. Now, let me give you some application of that real quickly. First of all, you can take me and Mrs. Fong to meet your unsafe family members. We did that yesterday. You ought to, in fact, you ought to take me to meet your unsaved. You're, especially if you don't even know how to get the plan of salvation, you're just learning it. You ought to decide this summer, you're going to purpose to have me and Mrs. Fong go with you to meet your unsafe family members. And again, I'm saying, you say, well, do you have something special? No, but I got the power of God. 
I got God's power there, and I believe God's going to work there. You just take us to go meet them there. And then when you, and then invite them to a church service, a special event to hear the gospel. Listen, our church, I'm so thankful for our church. Uh, this, this coming fall, I've got, I've got, uh, Brother Van Gelderen's son coming, and we're going to do a music outreach on a Sunday night there. I think it's the third Sunday night of September, and we've been praying over this and talking about this, and, and we're going to have that as an outreach. And then, man, I'm excited about October. We've got Friend Day, and with this new building, we're going to make Friend Day a big deal on a number of things. I'm just praying over, and we've got, we've got that, and we've got some children events coming up, and, and then we're going to, we're, we're, we're going to have our Thanksgiving banquet back. We took a year off last year. You guys ought to get ready for the Thanksgiving banquet and make it a well-attended event for, for this year. And then we have our Christmas music. Listen, we've got, we've got maybe five, six special events this year to get the gospel people. You've got all these opportunities to bring, to get people to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and see what God's going to do in their hearts. And we've got people here tonight, here in the back, there's a, there's a mother, young mother back here, came to our friend day last year on the day after I called her to follow up with her to ask her about what's going on. She's going through a trial at that time, a huge trial. And the Lord used that as an opportunity for me over the phone to give her the gospel. And Emerald trusted Jesus Christ her Savior just two months ago, got baptized. That's fruit that remains. And I can tell you stories all over the room here. We got a lady that's been coming to our church that one of our soul winners met her, invited her to church. She only came one time. My wife and I went to go see her, got to talking to her, and she just had all these trials and difficulties. She came on Easter Sunday, actually on the Saturday of Easter, and as I gave the invitation, she wanted to get saved, didn't know what to do. My wife took her side. Lady got saved. We just baptized her one month ago. I'm saying today, listen, you've got to get people on your list. You've got to decide, we're going to make this proper introduction. It's okay you're shy right now. It's okay maybe you don't have the words, but you can at least introduce him. Andrew brought his brother to, to Jesus. I'm just saying today, don't wait until you become proficient in the message. You can get there. But in the meantime, to make the introduction and let's get them to Christ. Here's another thing. When you have special events, and I'm looking forward to the weddings this year. We have special events and our members do a good job of this. Weddings, birthdays, funerals, whatever it may be, that's an opportunity to get me introduced to those family members. Listen, they see me one or two times. There's something God starts doing in their hearts. And there's a little bit of respect, respect there that they have for the office of the pastor there. And listen, that's an opportunity to get the gospel and reach them for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'll be honest with you, I've got more people than I've got time to see right now. But listen, we've got, we've got to get this prospect list up to speed. And every one of us ought to be this place where we're identifying people. Listen, you go to places I don't go to. And you know people I don't know. And they ought to be in your list of people. At a minimum, we're going to find a way to introduce these people to the preacher and to get the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. So we have the introduction. Real quickly, notice there's the prominent involvement. Go with me to Acts chapter 28. Now, this is something we don't do as well a job on. A few of our people do. But as a church, this should be part of our church culture. We should do a good job of what I call a prominent involvement. Now, go with me to Acts chapter 28. We're going to read verses 7 and 9, but let me give you the, let me give you the introduction. This is, this came, and, I, and I just preach this at one of our soul winning rallies. Paul is shipwrecked on the island of Melita, now known as Malta. His whole plan for getting over to Rome is thrown upside down. He's shipwrecked. All he has is the clothes on his feet, on his back. They're dripping wet. It's a rainy day. They're there on Malta and a fire is made and he gets alongside of the native people who make this fire. He's helping out. He gets bit by a venomous viper. People look on him and they already judge him saying, well, he must have did something evil. He must have did something wicked. By the way, that's a terrible thing when we just look at somebody and start to prejudge him. Amen. They started prejudging him. And then when he shook the venomous beast off into the fire, they changed their mind. The same people critical him. So oh, he must be a God. That's what they think. They think when something good happens, they think you must be God. Well, through that. 
Paul had no idea what was going on, what God had in mind. But he started seeing the plan of God unfold. Watch me tonight. The plan of God is unfolding here. And Paul made a determination. I don't know how long I'm going to be stuck on this island of Melita. And I don't know when it's going to be when I'm going to get over there. But I know one thing. God makes no mistakes. And God purposed that shipwreck so that I can be there to get the gospel. And of all things, he gets introduced through all of these things because of the miracle shaking off the viper into the fire. And he's not hurt. And that they, he gets introduced to Publius on that, on that island. And Publius says, man, I'm so glad to meet you. And he says, listen, you and all these people, I'm going to extend hospitality to you. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to give you clothing, give you stuff like that. And Publius just had a heart of hospitality towards him. And Paul saw God was in this matter. And he took advantage of that. And he started to be that man's friend. And through that involvement, Publius said, well, by the way, Paul, if you could do that, would you mind going see my father? And his father, the, body, the Bible says he had a bloody flux or something like that. He had, a, he had some kind of intestinal disease. And he was hemorrhaging and problems like that. And Paul prayed over this man. As he prayed over him, the power of God was aware and God healed him. But listen, that whole island something we overlook when we study that passage of Scripture. God brought Paul there on a shipwreck to, from one purpose, to start a church there on Melita, to get people saved. And that man Publius and his father got saved. And notice as you read Acts chapter 28 verses 7 to 9. In the same quarters were possessions of the chief a man of the island whose name was Publius who received us and lodged us three days courteously. Paul had a three day window. And during that three-day window, read verse 8. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. Paul used what God had given him. Preacher, use what God has given you. So winner, use what God has given you. Take advantage where God has placed you. And he puts him there, and he prays over him, and he puts his hands on him, and the man is healed. And so the Bible says in verse 9, so when this was done, others also, which had diseases in the island, came and were healed. You say, well, they were healed, they get the gospel. Listen, you know your Bible, you know they got the gospel. The church was started on that island. Can I give you some ideas tonight, how to get involved? Every parent, parents... I say this all the time. You have got a window of opportunity when they're in preschool, elementary school, middle school, and a little bit more difficult, but you can do it in high school, of getting involved with the school and meeting other parents. Now, I can point out families in our church right now that are doing that. And I'll send them a reminder weekly, who are you going to see this week and what are you going to do this week? You need to get involved with these kids. Uh, students in school, you've got peers there and you can start working. And by the way, our kids, I think, do a pretty good job. But I think we could do a lot more if we remind them about that. Uh, community and service. I mean, uh, a lot of you young people, some of you want to get involved in community service. And I, I'm for community service as long as your community service doesn't interfere with your service for God. And get involved in community service, but do it for the purpose, not so it enhances your grades. Get involved in community service for the purpose of evangelizing those people. New context you make through life events. Hey, the little maid in 2 Kings 5.3, she was taken captive. She saw her master Naaman was afflicted with leprosy. You know what she said? She just made one statement. What to God, what to God, my master was with the prophet in Samaria, for he would certainly heal him of this disease. You know what she did? She got the gospel to that man, and he did get healed. He dipped himself seven times in the Jordan River, and his flesh became clean as a young child there. You've got to take advantage of every life event of reaching people there. Uh, being helpful or a good Samaritan to people opens doors. Uh, build a good name by being known as someone being helpful and loving. Uh, be available so that God will trust you with opportunities. Acts chapter 8. Have a willing spirit like Philip. Philip, Philip, God led Philip there to Samaria. 
And after he went to Samaria, God, well, he was there and he had a fruitful ministry. God says, okay, I can trust you there. Let me see if I can trust you with the little things. He said, I want you to go out to the desert. I want you to go out to Gaza. There's an Ethiopian man, a eunuch under Candace. I want you to go meet this man. And Philip really didn't know what was going on. And probably Philip was like a lot of us. Lord, I got a thriving ministry here. Why would you want me to go to the desert to meet this Ethiopian eunuch? What's going on there? And as he approaches the, 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 the chariot, he sees this man reading a scroll of Isaiah. Now, I guarantee you, that was the biggest gospel tract that was ever given out that day. Amen? The biggest gospel tract ever given was a scroll of the, of the gospel of Isaiah 53. And he's reading that, and he's going there. And the first thing the Spirit of God says to Philip, go near and join thyself to the chariot. Why? Because we have apprehensions. We're thinking, he won't accept it. He's thinking, I'm just a poor Jewish preacher, this is a man of authority. Look at him. He's in a chariot. I mean, that's the equivalent of a very high-end car. And he says, look at what this guy's got. I don't, I just feel intimidated by him. And the Spirit of God says, go near and join thyself to the chariot. And as he did so, you know the rest of the story. He got the gospel of that man. In fact, the man started the conversation. He says, how can I access someone? Show me. And he got in the chariot. He showed the man how to get saved. And not only that, it just happened where they were at. There was a pool of water. He baptized him right there in the pool of water. He said, well, why did he baptize him? Because he had the authority of the local church Mary to baptize that man as a convert of that church. I can go on. By the way, providential delays, God puts your way, is an opportunity to get involved. Pastor AJ can tell you about several stories. Something broke down. Amen, brother, brother AJ? Something broke down or something happened there or he, quote, unquote, went to the wrong house. You never go to the wrong house, by the way. Amen. He's had in the last year two opportunities to lead two men to Christ that went on to glory days after that. He didn't have any idea of that. The letter D, notice the personal invitation. Now, the personal invitation is when you make a personal presentation of the gospel. Now, I'm going to run through a list with you that we're going to study. Some we'll study, some we don't have time to. But think with me for just a minute. The greatest soul winner ever was the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus made a personal, uh, he made a personal presentation to Nicodemus. Jesus made a personal presentation to the woman of Samaria at a well at the most uncomfortable time of the day. If you think yesterday was a hot day to go soul winning, imagine being in Samaria at the heat of the day at 12 noon, giving the gospel to a Samaritan woman. That was hot, okay? Uh, Jesus made a personal presentation to a nobleman whose son was at the point of death. Jesus made a personal presentation to Zacchaeus. In fact, he went to Jericho. And here's Zacchaeus up on his tree. And he says, Zacchaeus, come down. He said, I'm not climbing the tree to get to you. You need to come down so I can give you the gospel. Amen. Jesus made a personal presentation to Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate said, what is truth? Duh, I was looking right at you in the eye, amen? Jesus made a personal presentation suspended between heaven and earth to the thief on the cross. But then I think about Peter and John. Peter and John made a personal presentation at 3 o'clock in the afternoon to a lame man in the temple. I think about Stephen that he made personal presentation to the Jews in Acts 6 and 7. And God trusted. And by the way, we don't read anything about any of them getting saved. However, God's word never returns in void. Alongside of there, as they were getting ready to stone him. In fact, as they were stoning him and their clothes being laid at a young man's feet, that young man happened to be a man by the name of Saul. I'm of the person to believe that there were some things that Stephen said in that Acts chapter 7 message that embedded itself in the mind of that, that man by the name of Saul. So when the light shone from heaven, when he was on the road to Damascus, I believe when he got knocked off his hobby horse and his high horse and got knocked on his back, I believe it was that moment of time he remembered the words of that gospel preacher. And that's why he could look up in heaven and say, Who art thou? out, Lord. Philip made a personal presentation to the Ethiopian eunuch. 
Then I think about the Apostle Paul. I mean, just you go, you go through the book of Acts. I mean, Paul made a personal presentation to Sergius Paulus. Paul made a personal presentation to Lydia at the river where women assembled to, for prayer. He made a personal presentation at the, at, the, at the middle of the night to a Philippian jailer. He made a personal presentation to Festus. He made a personal presentation here to Agrippa. Did they all get saved? No, they didn't all get saved, but he gave them a clear presentation of the gospel is what I'm saying tonight. He made a presentation to Publius and to his family. So many, beloved, is a loving process. There's the identifier. There's the introduction. There's involvement. I mean, we've got to get involved. We've got to do what we can. And finally, the last thing, I need to close very quickly tonight. You've been so good. We see the Lord's priority, the loving process. Would you notice one last thing? We go back to John 15, 16 tonight, please. The loving priority, the loving process. Would you notice the lasting product? Now, our our Baptist churches are really good And emphasizing so winning. But I think our Baptist churches, and even ours, has a long way to go in retaining the people to get saved. And can I tell you something tonight? My list of people that need to be retained is equal to or larger than the prospect list of people that I'm trying to see saved. You can't give up on them. There's all these married things. And by the way, how many understand tonight that as soon as they get saved, there's a big target on their back and Satan's attacking them. Amen? Notice verse 16 again. The first half of verse 16 emphasizes the Lord's priority. The last part of verse 16 emphasizes the lasting product. What you notice as I read this. And he says, You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. And that your future, and by the way, the bringing forth the root is already implied from verses 7 and 8, as we'll see in a minute. It's already implied that God gives you what you need, enables, shows you the formula, the means by which people can get saved. You can bring forth fruit. And he says that your future remains. Now, it's God's will that fruit remains. It's God's will that people get saved and in the church. It's your, God's will that fruit remain. And then he says that whatsoever shall of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Let me give you some things real quickly and then we're done tonight. Number one, how do, how do, we, make, how do we have this lasting product? How do we get fruit that remains? And I'm giving you a precursor to what some, some, some lessons we're going to give. But if you missed this last part, you've missed probably a very important segment of this, okay? The lasting product. How do you have fruit that remains? Number one, it must be a matter of prayer. Would you notice the last part of verse 16? That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father, my name, he may give it to you. I'm convinced tonight we're not asking God for fruit to remain. I'm convinced tonight we don't have a vision for people growing in the Lord. I'm convinced today we're more content with believers, new believers staying as babes in Christ instead of mature Christians. I have a vision for people to get saved. I see men that are teachers. I see men that could be future deacons. I see men that might be called to the ministry. I see women that could be, that could help win their husbands to Christ. I see women that can raise their children to godly home. I mean, you've got to have a vision for where these people go. Why? Because without a vision, the people perish. So it must be a matter of prayer. If you're not praying for souls to be saved, you're not praying for them to stay in the church, how are they going to get there? Listen, the Lord tells us that prayer is a vital necessity for souls to be saved. We must pray for laborers for the harvest. We must pray for souls to be saved. By the way, 1 John 5.14. 
And this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything, be according to his will, he heareth us. And if he knows that he heareth us, he grants us the petition. We ask him, I'm convinced tonight it's God's will for souls to be saved. And if we're praying in accordance with God's will, we ought to pray for souls to be saved and staying in the church. That's what the Bible teaches. This must be a matter of prayer. We must pray for the Spirit's power and a witnessing, Luke eleven thirteen. We must pray for sinners by name and that their blinded eyes might be opened. We must pray for souls to be saved all the time. Hey, listen, you need to take time with me on Saturday night to pray God. In fact, Monday morning, leading into Monday morning, Lord, help me to find people that I'll have in church on Saturday night. God, help us get these people in church and help sinners to obey the gospel message and get saved on Sunday morning. It must be a matter of prayer. Number two. Notice verses 7 and 8, please. We must have a ministry that is productive. And watch me as I read verses 7 and 8, please. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, that's prayer, and it shall be done unto you. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. It should be done to you. Look at verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. You know what God desires in your life and mine? As we plan and program our daily walk with God. And by the way, you ought to plan and program a daily walk with God. Amen? That you're going to desire this week, you're going to draw close to God. Draw near to Him, He'll draw near to you. I preached yesterday, I talked about the idea about how, how uh, Nebuchadnezzar looked on Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. He said they were ten times better. And listen, this morning, this evening, I want to challenge you tonight. Are you ten times better this year than you were last year? Are you ten times better than you were a year ago, two years ago? And he, and he queried, he, he queried these young men. He said they were ten times better than all the magicians, astrologers in the kingdom. They had discernment. They had wisdom. They had a tender heart. Listen, he saw them ten times better. Watch this here. He said, God is glorified when we bear much fruit. Now the, now the opposite of that is, God is not glorified when we don't bear fruit. God is glorified when we bear much fruit. He says, how do we testify that we're a disciple of Jesus Christ? We're bearing fruit. And how do we testify that God has been glorified when we bear fruit? Now, I'm going to say something today. Please don't get offended by this. It's a sin not to win souls. I'm going to repeat that again. It's a sin not to win souls. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. By the way, it's not only a sin not to win souls. It's a sin to be nonproductive for Jesus Christ. And please don't get offended by that. That's God's word. Now, you may be used to milk toast Christianity and a watered down. I and mean, I said this yesterday. The devil, if he can't defile it, the devil wants to dilute you. We live in a Laodicean age. We live in a lukewarm time. The devil wants to water. Listen, I'm tired of watered down Christianity. I'm tired of watered down Bibles, watered down preaching, watered down so many, watered down services. Let's get home earlier. Listen, when I read the Bible, the word more is mentioned more. So much the more the Bible says. Then notice thirdly, a must in persistence. Fruit that remains takes a lot of work. A lot of work. A lot of rejection. Fruit that remains requires lots of follow-up. Fruit that remains requires teamwork. Understand personalities and chemistries. 
There are some chemistries that respond better to certain people that are like them than maybe you and me. It requires teamwork. Realize we have a multifaceted ministry. It's teamwork. It's working together on this matter. Don't be a one-man island. Realize it's teamwork in what we're doing here. Fruit that remains must have a process. You know, first thing you ought to do, a person gets saved, not only get them to church, I like to enroll you into our new believers' classes, our new foundations' classes. I like to enroll you into our one of our Sunday morning growth groups. I like the word growth because I want to indicate to them that they're just not going to school. I want to indicate to them they're going to grow and we're not changing our format there except for the fact we're going to emphasize a little bit more balance on fellowship and getting, having people build relationships to that. But I'm saying tonight, we, we've got to work on this matter. It's got to be a process. You know, we've got to get them enrolled in what they're doing there. We've got to get them baptized as soon as possible there and get them to adopt the dis- disciplines of all believers. As we close, notice Acts chapter 2, and I'm only going to read three verses because of time. Notice in Acts chapter 2, there's a process the Bible gives us on how how to have a a holy church and a healthy church and a thriving church. And he says, they that gladly received his word, they were baptized. But notice there's a process there. And the same day, there were added unto them 3,000 souls, okay? The church was existed. These people that got saved, there were 3,000, these hardened Jews that got saved. And they were baptized and were added to the church. Then verse 42, I like verse 42. And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. That's discipleship. That's adult growth groups. That's preaching services. They continue steadfasting on the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. They, they learned the Bible way. They learned the Baptist way. They continue steadfasting the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking bread. That's fellowship. That's mealtime. Having a meal together and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Listen, not only is so when he caught more of this taught, learning how to walk with Jesus Christ, learning how to be a, a believer that glorifies God, is caught more than is taught. Let me repeat to you what I've said to all of us involved with some measure of discipleship. I'm not interested in people going through a discipleship book. I'm interested in transforming lives and becoming disciples of Jesus Christ. And there's a cost to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. You can't be a disciple if you're not paying the cost. You can't set a good example to them if you're not paying the cost. And so tonight I give you these things because in verse 16, God just has one desire. You've not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, that will I do unto you. God is most glorified when we bear much fruit. We show that we are disciples of the Lord when we're bearing much fruit. It takes work. It takes organization. It revolves a lot of prayer. It involves a lot of teamwork. It involves a lot of humility because you need to learn it the right way. You need to come alongside your preacher and say, Preacher, would you show me what to do? And get some humility in your heart and say, Would you show me what to do? And you say, Well, how did you get it? I, 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 got it? I got it on my knees, but I got a lot just by spending lots of time. I talk to hundreds of people a year, maybe thousands of people a year. I don't tell about most of my visits and things, but I'll tell you this. I get more rejections than I see people accept Jesus Christ as Savior. Some of my staff have been with me. They know that. That doesn't discourage me. I just get a more burden for their hearts. You've got to get enrolled. You ought to be on, if you're, you're available Wednesday morning, you ought to be there Wednesday morning. You ought to say, preacher, I ought to be getting message tonight. Would you teach me how to win souls? Would you help me become more proficient? Would you show me what to do? Would you go see my family? Tonight, I asked you to do this this evening. Whether you're seated at your seat or you decide to come forward tonight, would you just have a heart-to-heart visit with the Lord? 
and say, Lord, help my prayer life to model what you teach in John 15. Lord, help me to have a prospect identifier, a family, a friend. By the way, if we just focus on family and friends, we'd not run out of prospects, okay? Lord, would you help me have boldness to trust a preacher and go out and knock on some doors with them and reach the area for Jesus Christ? There's so much I could say. I need to stop there. Would you take some time tonight? And if it's been a long time, if it's been a long time since you've seen consistent results, would you humble yourself and say, Lord, forgive me tonight. I don't have the heart like I need to have. I need a heart for souls. For our gospel will be hid. It is hid to them they're lost. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord. And we your servants, for Christ's sake. Don't delay tonight. This is serious business this evening. We got a $6 million building that needs to get filled up. It's not get filled up with a bunch of rock and roll and all that kind of junk there. It gets filled up by old-fashioned so many. Reaching people with the gospel. Getting family members in there. I could tell you stories all over this room. All over this church. It ought to be the repeat experience. By the way, I'm looking forward. I've been at, was asked this today at lunch. I'm looking forward to going to two services. Don't get nervous there. So how are you going to do that? That means the same people. No, that doesn't mean the same people have to do the same thing. That means some of you need to step up tonight and say, whatever the church needs, I'm going to be part of that. I'm not sure what I've got to learn, but I'm going to be part of it. The church is not going to thrive with the same people doing two times, three times, four times. Some of you need to get involved tonight and just say, tonight, now's the time. God put, God's given us that ability to get involved. Now's the time to get involved. Now's the time to go win souls. Now is the accepted time, the Bible says. Now is the day of salvation. Don't wait till tomorrow. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring. Father, tonight, Lord, we're not giving you more delay. I pray this evening in Jesus' name, God, you'd have your way in our hearts. I need to do more. I confess more of my inadequacy. I confess my weaknesses and my insufficiencies. Lord, tonight, there ought to be in every heart and every life here tonight a big list of family and friends and contacts we have in the community that we're going to reach. There ought to be a lot of parents and families that are going to get immerse themselves in getting acquainted with, with t- teachers and parents and others in schools and doing what we can to affect our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us tonight to take back the city of San Leandro and take back San Lorenzo and all the surrounding cities and the city of Oakland. And God, help us, Lord. Sometimes we think that, Lord, we've covered at all and there are some there are a lot of needy areas within driving distance of this church that need the gospel of jesus christ take away our fears our excuses our paranoias and help us tonight to follow what the lord says compel them to come in that my house may be filled tonight have your way this evening give us the heart of a soul winner they that sow in tears shall reap in joy father there's a passionate commission jesus gave you've not chosen me but i've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit god help us to obey that passion commission and to tonight as we follow that help us to experience the pleasing contentment that jesus said these things have i spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy may be full i pray this evening that you'll tell help take us lord perhaps if we're shriveled up and we're just sour and uh, lord we're bitter and uh, we're discontented that we'll get out of that realm and realize that everything that's spoken in john 15 is so that our joy would be full forgive us for having having empty joy cups and god may the vessels that we have be filled and overflowing with joy and first and foremost with the joy of seeing people saved father would you have your way tonight that everyone in church would say this i'm committed to helping be a soul winning christian so this church stands out as a soul winning church there's some who used to be involved 
who have gotten away from it. They need to get back involved. There's some who have got, Lord, tonight, who have got their own preconceived ideas. They need to bring their ideas, Lord, in conformity to your idea. It's not a good idea. It's God's idea. And tonight I pray that you'll be magnified in this time. Oh, may we, may, we, may we be convicted that if we're not winning souls, it's a sin. And if we're not bearing much fruit, it's a sin. If we're just floating by and getting by. God, stir us out of our lethargy and indifference and help us to realize that, Lord, maybe we fall in the trap of being rich and increased with goods and having need of nothing. And Lord, we pray that that kind of Christianity would be would be just extricated from our lives and help us to live the victorious Christian life in faith and courage and boldness in the proclamation of the gospel. Have your way tonight in this in this meeting, in this invitation time. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Let's stand if you would. If you need to come, don't delay. We ought to come tonight. Listen, you ought to be praying for family members to get saved. You come tonight. Folks, you're making a way. You need to come tonight. Make it, a, make, make it a major priority this evening. Don't have a dead summer. Let's have an on-fire summer. We've got, we've got Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We're prepared off to have a large number of kids coming. We've got thousands of fires that still need to get out. I want parents there Tuesday night when I preach them to get saved. And Wednesday night to get saved. And Thursday night to get saved. I want families in our church. Let's get, let's get this business. I want to see your mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters, your in-laws and outlaws, everybody else in church. Let's get them in church. God forgive us for being disobedient to the Great Commission. It's the Great Commission, not the Great Omission. Let's get on board with God tonight. And then tonight, I encourage you, if you're not a member, it's an exciting place to be a member of the church. You may be saved, but you need to get baptized. And publicly tell the brothers and sisters you're not ashamed of Jesus. Encourage long-term members. Never grow old. Get excited for Christ. Fathers and mothers need to get saved. We're all getting older. Health changes. Circumstances change. Father, tonight, please undertake for our request and desire. You said, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. That's what you will. It should be done to you. The first law of business tonight. Help us get closer to you. Help us to so draw from the resources of God. And be so burdened in our heart. We're reaching souls with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we've gotten too comfortable. We've got kind of blinded by all these different priorities. And they are important priorities. But Lord, there's the Lord's priority. You've not chosen me, but I've chosen you. And ordained you. I've set you apart. Father, thank you tonight for your people just deciding to be obedient this evening. I don't ask that you bless us tonight with what we've decided. I ask tonight, Lord, that you bother us tonight with what we've heard. I pray, Lord, you'd burden us about our families. I pray that, Lord, you'd burden us about not having to have 11th hour conversions. Help us have a vision for our family members and our friends and our neighbors our fraternities God I can't do it you've got to do it Lord please have your way tonight I pray this in Jesus name Amen
For those of you new to the church, I apologize. I went a little bit long. I didn't realize how late it was. I'm sorry I went a little bit longer tonight. But what, we, what I preached on tonight is so important for our church.